0: Welcome back to the Florida History Podcast. This is episode 151 and episode 9 of our Albion, Florida series. And today we're going to talk a little bit about the origins of the American Revolution as it uh, applies to Florida. So we learned as young kids in school about the American Revolution and the, quote, fight for freedom of the colonists of the 13, quote, unquote, original colonies. We learn how plucky freedom-fighting, quote, patriots fought the greatest world power and prevailed. We learn about the cruelty of the British. We learn about the idealism that fueled the American rebel cause. And by the way, that is what Governor DeSantis, our current governor in Florida as we record this, wants you to learn about the American Revolution as well. But that's a history that's not entirely accurate. Not, not really accurate at all, really. And it cuts out Florida's important role in all of this. History tends to be written differently from generation to generation. We know this. Now in the 21st century, finally, historians are recognizing that Britain was already showing cracks of being the preeminent European power in 1775, surely still stronger than the others. They had just defeated France in a war, obviously, uh, that ended in 1763, France and Spain. They defeated Austria uh, in in wars earlier. The Prussians, they had been aligned with Prussia in the Seven Years' War. But there were already cracks. Uh, But that their um, power was wholly dependent, military power was wholly dependent on foreign mercenaries and naval power. We also now recognize that the misplaced desire of the Bourbon kings in France and Spain to reclaim lost territory or prestige played a huge role in the American victory. Much has recently been written about Britain's more lenient policy toward runaway slaves and Native Americans than that of the newly independent USA, which is absolutely correct. However, for whatever reason, Florida's role in this is often glossed over. We hear about runaway slaves making their way to Canada or Defecting behind the British lines and fighting for the British, we don't hear as much about the number of runaway slaves that came to Florida, which was something that was really important in 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 the Spanish era, as we've talked about, and takes on importance again starting in 1775. As school kids, we learned very little about the 14th and 15th British colonies south of the St. Lawrence River, colonies like Quebec. Uh, which is to the north of that river that were acquired in 1763 and had largely Catholic populations when the British assumed control. That's obviously East and West Florida. We learn even less about Spain's pivotal role in using West Florida as a front in the war to squeeze the British, which we're going to talk about in a little bit Uh, or in a future episode, I should say, but in, in this series, the undoing of the crown's military strategy based on the, uh, the, the heroics of Galavez and, and, the Spanish, on that front. We learned virtually nothing of St. Augustine's importance and the repeated efforts of the Continental Army to capture St. Augustine, which was a critical city, crit- critical military depot, by invading East Florida. While many of those residents of Florida moved to other Spanish or French-controlled areas, as we talked about in 1763, Florida was largely repopulated with Catholics and some Greek Orthodox uh, uh, people who, who practiced uh, Greek Orthodox religion by the British. East Florida was. And once Florida became largely Catholic again, those who weren't Catholic tended to be Anglican. This is important also. So the two ma- ma- uh, large religions uh, that that created Florida from a religious composition, the two, the two types of people, were completely different from the 13 colonies to the north. Now, the Greek Orthodox uh, uh, component too, so I should say all three, right? If you uh, say Anglican, Catholic, Greek Orthodox, and you have all these various denominations of, of Protestantism north of the Florida-Georgia bo- border, but th- this is a—the uh, the revolt e- is in those colonies, the loyalists, the Anglicans tended to be loyalists, Right? Uh, in, in the 13 colonies. So again, um, maybe not completely religious composition in terms of the Anglicans different than the 13 colonies, but certainly certainly different than the rebels. East and West Florida were both uh, invited to uh, attend the Continental Congress and declined. F- Florida was a hotbed of loyalism with the likes of uh, Sam Adams, Joseph Warren, Dr. Joseph Warren, John Hancock, the three leaders of the Sons of Liberty, being hung in effigy in St. Augustine. Ironically, East Florida Governor John Moultrie's three living brothers who lived in South Carolina all became officers in the Patriot Army. And, and you know, uh, he's immortalized, or the family's immortalized, excuse me, with, the, uh, with Fort Moultrie outside of Charleston, which is actually where uh, Chief Osceola is buried, if you've watched uh, some of our previous Florida Squeeze videos, uh, you'll see me at the the burial site of part of Chief Osceola's uh, body in South Carolina at Fort Moultrie. In fact, Moultrie's brother, William, who is actually who Fort Moultrie is named for, handed the rebels perhaps its biggest victory before the Battle of Trenton during 1776 when he successfully defended Charleston, which was the largest city in the colonies south of Philadelphia at the time. Charleston was bigger than Baltimore in 1776. Baltimore would become a much bigger city in the 1790s and 1800s. In fact, Baltimore becomes uh, not only the largest city in the South. Maryland was really kind of a southern state in those days and a slave state. But Baltimore becomes the most important U.S. city for a while outside of New York, even more important than Philadelphia or Boston. That's just a little historical piece of trivia, which is is unimportant when it comes to Florida, but but figured I would mention that. East Florida was a major base of Loyalist and British operations throughout the war, a staging ground for the battle uh, for the southern colonies. And St. Augustine became very critical to Britain's war war plans. For this reason, it also became a target of American planning. And we're going to see as we go on in this series the efforts made by the Continental Army to capture St. Augustine, to invade East Florida. West Florida became a key in the war after Spain allied with the United States in 1779. And Spain was also aligned with France at that point. Remember, uh, there's a common family on the throne of both, both countries, the exploits of Bernardo de Galvez, who Galveston, by the way, is named for Galveston testis of, of Galvez, who liberated most of West Florida from British rule, uh, between 1779, and uh, 1781, uh, changed the trajectory of the war. What Galvez did was effectively crush British hopes of holding Georgia, South Carolina uh, and East Florida by invading from the West. And we're going to go through this in one of the episodes where, uh, and actually there were uh, Continental Army officers or Continental Army uh, servicemen and Americans that were involved in some of these efforts. It goes from... Uh, Baton Rouge, from Lake Pontchartrain to Baton Rouge to to Natchez, through what is now southern Mississippi to Mobile and eventually captures Pensacola. And there is a a prominent historian of uh, of American revolutionary history, uh, Nathaniel Philbrick, who's written a trilogy on the American Revolution, who does... Uh, very recently written a trilogy on the American Revolution, who does, I have to say, to his credit, talk about the importance of Galvez and the capture of Pensacola and how that opened the door for Yorktown. Not talked about otherwise by American historians, not talked about by some of the the, pe- the scholars you see constantly on the History Channel or on PBS documentaries talking about the American Revolution. But Philbrook, to his credit, uh, because I know in this series I bashed American historians, Uh, But Philbert, to his credit, does mention that. Now, uh, similarly, in a similar vein, Andrew Roberts' new book on King George III, the British monarch at the time, mentions Florida no less than 20 times in the biography of George III. In discussing Florida's importance to the British Crown during the American Revolutionary Wars, so again, you could read a, a book by uh, an eminent historian of American history, of Joseph Ellis, etc. Not see Florida mentioned once in a, in, in a book about the Revolution, but a book that talks about the monarch and the Revolution specifically, from a British historian, mentions Florida no less than twenty times. It's actually more than that, but but I lost track actually as I recently read that biography. So. That's important to understand. So we're going to leave off uh, here. That's just your introduction to the American Revolution. And we're going to pick up next week talking about a couple of really key concepts. And let me roll through those now. And we'll talk about them in more detail next week. We're going to talk about the role of Catholicism in Florida staying loyal to the crown. That's very important. That's probably Uh, arguably the most important uh, factor, Uh, the British divide and conquer strategy and how Florida fell into that, Uh, the role of trade with Britain and the West Indies. We've talked previously about how important the West Indies and the Caribbean islands were to to Britain economically, more important than the North American colonies. Uh, Florida's lack of experience with democracy, uh, I I think plays a role in Florida staying loyal to the crown. And that's not to Florida's credit. Obviously there had been town meetings and councils and, more experience with democracy when you talk about the 13 colonies to the north. The growth of the uh, the North Carolina backcountry is a huge factor in the American Revolution and kind of what happens with Florida. The Whig takeover of Georgia, which put, puts Georgia in the loyalist uh, category. Georgia was originally the Continental Congress had 12 colonies that attended Georgia like East and West Florida did not attend the first Continental Congress and then there was a Whig to takeover of Georgia and um, the game changes and then. Uh, freedom for slaves, as, as we have talked about. So that's your overview of where we're going to go in the next several episodes, which are going to be about the American Revolution. And I'm very, very excited to do this because, again, the American Revolution in Florida has not gotten enough attention through the years. So uh, we'll be back with you next week. And we're going to start with uh, next week with all of those points I just mentioned. But most importantly, of course, the role of Catholicism. So we'll be back with you next week. Thank you for listening.